ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. While the government yesterday won over the coalition to support its Stage 3 tax changes, negotiations are ongoing over the last tranche of industrial relations changes. These ones a little more contentious than the first. Yesterday I spoke to the Minister responsible, Tony Burke. Here he is. The conversations have been really constructive, uh, but, you know, there's there's no negotiation with David Pocock and Jackie Lambie that's an easy one. Uh, and so, you know, they've, they've got issues that they've wanted to work through. We're doing it constructively. I hope we get there soon. That was the Workplace Relations Minister, Tony Burke, there. I'm joined now by these two crossbench senators at the heart of the negotiations, with a lot of power right now, Independent Senators David Pocock and Jackie Lambie, both in our Parliament House studio. Welcome to both of you. Thank you. Good morning, Patricia. Jackie Lambie, your deal is getting closer. What sticking points are left? What are you still negotiating on? Um, yeah, so I have a point. I have a problem with the casual employment of the definition of that and the definition of um, so the definition of casual and the definition of employment because I just don't see what was wrong with the definitions that were there in the first place. So I just believe that I don't see it makes it any better. Or it makes it any worse, and there is a lot of argy bargy. So I don't know why, we're, why it's on the table. And why we're having a discussion with that? That seems to be um, a real sticking point out there uh, with the employers. Uh, that's an issue. I have an issue with the Greens Amendment of the Intractable Bargaining Workplace Determination because we already, there was uh, uh, that boot, the Better Overall Test, uh, put in um, uh, over the uh, over time and I believe that's worked really well and I don't need to know, I don't I don't, I wonder why we have to go more hardcore uh, when that doesn't seem to be an issue in the first place. Um, uh, I have the problem with a right of entry as well. I have mm. a massive problem with that right of entry. I, I believe that the unions have more than enough power for right of entry when it comes to um, getting a right of entry and when it comes to the wage theft. Now, when it comes to wage theft, and I understand that the unions do great negotiations out there and they can usually uh, fix it before it goes any further, but those bigger wage theft ones, I just don't understand why we don't have a task force of expert people that are put in fair work, whether it's ex-police, um, ex-investigators, whatever, that should be put in there to do that so they can go and collect the evidence, they can bag and tag it, um, and that would make it a much smoother ride. I don't understand why unions need to go to be at that point in that far when they do not have the expertise to do that. I also, um, on the provisions, Patricia, work uh, related to um, regulated uh, workers, the old RSRT, um, the owner-drivers, I really have an issue. I have an issue when I'm not hearing any Think from the foxes, the tolls, my own people down there who own big trucking companies. Now, usually when something comes up, they want to ring me and it really bothers me that those owner drivers are going to be done over. So um, that is a real sticking point for me and also the right to disconnect. What's your issue with the right to disconnect? The right to disconnect, my issue is simply this. I think going through COVID, there was given that we have learned how to be very, very flexible and that is there is a lot more now where people can work from home. Uh, they've got a lot more flexibility because of how COVID was and I just wonder, you know, that you, if you can't make a phone call or you can't do something and if you have a problem, then you go to fair work. That already exists. So Okay, um, so the Minister says he's addressed the issue of fines for employers and so... You know, he's really changed the onus so that employees can't be punished if you're a worker, if you just ignore the call outside of work hours. Is that a fair yeah. way of doing it? 
No, no, that's fine, but it's the whole thing. So it's good that he's, he's reduced the fines. Um, that's great. But seriously, um, if you're ringing somebody and they're not picking up their phone um, because we're going to give them this choice now uh, and then you've got to go back in that workplace next next day, I think that'll bring... Um, uh, uh, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm just worried about the argy-bargy that'll go on that mm. office. Once again, I think going through COVID, there is more than enough flexibility for Australian workers out there already. And I just am really, really concerned. I'm sure that my advisors would be very grateful if I didn't have to ring them up at seven o'clock at night. You know, but there are sort of some thing. jobs, the minister says, and I'm going to bring you in in a moment, Senator Pocock, to see if you agree with some of these concerns. But there are some, like my, my industry and, and, and yours, I think is absolutely the same, where there are provisions for that out of uh, out of um, work hours, calling and contacting. It's for the other areas where people, well, the minister says, shouldn't be interrupted. What's your response yeah, to that? I, I have to say, nobody has sp- ever spoken to me in the 10 years I've been in and out of politics about phone calls after hours. Not one person. And even going through this, not one person. And I've been out there with my boots on the ground because I'm running a team in Tasmania for the state election. Not one person has mentioned anything about that, not ever. So I just think if there's not a problem, why are we trying to fix it? That's an interesting point. Senator Pocock, I'll start on that point with you. Is there a problem that needs to be fixed? (laughs) Uh, Thanks, Patricia. I mean, we had a huge committee process for this bill, you know, toured the country hearing from... Uh, you know, employees, unions, businesses, small small businesses, and that's really formed the basis of negotiations and trying to improve this bill. The right to disconnect is is part of that. Clearly, there are workers out there who want that right to not have to respond to unreasonable requests from their from their you know their their, their bosses out outside of uh, work hours. As Jackie said, though. You've got to look. We've we've never done this before in in Australia in terms of legislation. This is in a whole range of um, enterprise agreements around the country. And the model that seems to work is that employees have the right not to respond if they don't think it's reasonable. Clearly, there's a whole range of uh, scenarios where it is totally reasonable if if someone's offering you a a shift for the next day or if it's uh, an emergency or something to do with um, workplace, workplace health and safety. That's very reasonable, but but this simply enshrining the right that if if you have clocked off and you do not think it's reasonable, you don't have to respond, and then your employer cannot hold uh, that that against you or, or, or use that against you. But Jackie Lambie, uh, you say there's not anyone who's raising this with you, but I've heard concerns around the way work encroaches on every element of people's lives. Obviously, our devices have our emails and, and you know, every app pertaining to our work in many cases, particularly in white-collar jobs. Do you hear some concerns around that? No, but once again, um, we've all got concerns. We all know that, um, you know, technology these days, we're all, we're all uh, you know, we pick up, we check our emails, we do that. As a matter of fact, that's usually second nature. But once again, you can already go to fair work if you have a problem in this area. I don't know, need to, I don't know why it needs to be enshrined. That, that is already available to you if you think that this is not fair. Ring fair work. So it seems to me that there are still some holdouts for you, Jackie Lambie. What could the government do to get your support? I mean, are, are these areas that you've identified here deal breakers? 
Um, you know, Patricia, I have to say, um, working with um, Minister Burke over this, I have to say uh, the whole time I've been up here, uh, um, he has been terribly constructive. Um, there is nothing uh, wrong with anything, everything he's trying to do. He's, you know, he's breaching out, he's doing all that. It was only, I'm sure he won't mind me saying it was only late last night I was talking to him again um, about some other, uh, uh, about some issues around the bill and, and, and how we could how we could come together on this and that sort of stuff. So this is, uh, the Minister is bending over backwards. Um, he's certainly one of the best negotiators I've come across up here. Um, so, you know, I will con- he will keep con- um, constructively speaking to me about that. What I don't want to see, because we are running out of time this week, it is really important. We're going to have a huge speakers list. What I don't want to see is this guillotined, because I think it's just far too important. So I'm hoping that it is not going to be guillotined and that we will be back here in that next sitting and we will, con- we will continue on with this. So that is my concern right now, is that this is not guillotined. So everybody gets to speak on it. And there will, like I said, there will be a long list and that we have a committee time, plenty of committee time to discuss this, because I imagine those negotiations are still going to be ongoing for me. They're not going to work themselves out in the next 24 hours. Would you like the same thing, Senator Pocock? No guillotine and a proper longer debate on this? Yeah, my view is we have had a, a very lengthy uh, Senate inquiry into this. So I think there's a really good understanding of the issues. There's been a lot of uh, progress made around some of the concerns around the definition of casuals and the conversion process, ensuring that it's a much simpler process to convert. People who feel like they're doing a permanent role and want to convert to, to, to permanent can do that, but people who like the flexibility of being casual or they like the, the casual loading can stay casual. And, and then equally with the, the regulating the gig economy for the first time in this country, incredibly complex um, <laughs> given how you know, fast-changing uh, gig platforms are, uh, but there's been some real concessions there to have something that that I think will be uh, flexible and, and and workable both for people who are using gig platforms, but also for the platforms themselves to continue to to innovate. So, yeah, uh, sounds to Jackie me said, uh, that you're ready to vote for this. No, haven't haven't agreed yet. So I guess we've made a lot of progress, and I'd echo what Jackie said about working with uh, Tony Burke and his his team. They're a sharp outfit, and they they listen and they're wanting to to make this work. So, you know, I'll continue in good faith. There's a few more things that um, Could we're you name talking them? to them about. Um, yep. Uh, One's around around gig and some of the technicalities of that, and, and and a couple others are around road safety. You know, a big part of the push behind this bill is to make our roads safer for truckies and for you know food delivery drivers, um, people who are riding bikes through our through our cities to deliver to deliver food and and other things. And if we're going to take that seriously, I think we're going to need uh, some other measures. Uh, to, to make that happen. So I'm, I'm in discussions around around them and I'm sure that'll continue this morning. And uh, Senator Lambie, obviously the government, you, you both really complimented them and I'm sure they're very pleased to hear that um, as they're listening to this program. But you, you obviously are calling for different things. Some of them are overlapping. How much of the negotiations do you do together? Uh, just talk me through the process. 
Um, yeah, look, um, I'll be honest with you, when there's amendments coming through, we try and work where we can. Um, we're obviously, we, we don't have departments behind us. We don't, um, you know, we did lose a couple of advisors when we come in. Um, I'm, we're very lucky that, um, you know, both our officers, that um, our, our own staff get along so well and that's that's made things a lot easier as well. It's always nice. And I used to say this, the same with the Nick Xenophon team or Central Alliance. Uh, that was, it always makes things so much easier because when you have big bills like this, it's it's like, hey guys, I'll just take, I'll have a look at these areas here. Um, Dave's more into the whole gig thing, so you know I'm trying to follow him around on the gig thing. Uh, he seems to have a um, real appetite for that. So it's it's trying to share those workloads um, so we can get through this and come up with the best solutions we possibly can, not just for unions and big business, but ultimately the productivity um, for the country. And on casual employment, Jackie Lambie, you've raised concerns there about casuals becoming uh, permanent more easily. The government was pretty clear that it wanted to do this. I think at the election they did talk about casual employment being an issue. How can they get your support for this? Oh, look, I'll just keep um, speaking to them about that. I'm also concerned about the, the 12 months down to six months um, with the ca- offering casual jobs. I know that and, you know, I salute Target. Target started doing that good on that. Um, they've started doing that. They need to hold on their people because the unemployment rate is so low um, and good for them. They've seen that's going to work for them at this point in time, but it doesn't mean it's going to work for everybody. Sometimes you may need to give those people just a little bit longer and I certainly know it from having for uh, past employers in my office. You give them three months and then you go, not quite getting out of you. And I just think six months is a little bit tight. So what, um, so eight, nine? About is the there 12. some other time frame that you would I agree I actually to? don't really have a problem with the 12 months, to be honest with you. Well, obviously the, the government thinks it's too six. long. So would you be willing to negotiate on, on some other outcome, which is shorter yeah, well, than 12 months? Certainly looking at that, you know, maybe we could look at medium at nine or ten, or, you know, at that nine months or something, you know, it's certainly not off the table. And how about you, uh, David Pocock? Is that sort of a time frame that you think perhaps might be more fair? I can see the, I can see the argument both ways. One of the solutions we've been looking at, and I think particularly for smaller businesses, is... Yeah, their businesses are changing a lot through the years. You might have have businesses who make basically all their all their profit, all their money over over Christmas, where it's really busy, um, and in other parts of the years they don't. So having a clause in there that you can sort of refuse casual conversion on fair and reasonable grounds, uh, so that there is that flexibility for businesses who have someone who says, "I want to go permanent," and you say, "Listen, I actually this this job's here at the moment, but in three months' time, for these good reasons." It won't be there, and so really trying to get that that mix right. And you know, I think the reality is, from what we've heard from workers and from businesses, that this is this is a, a, a relatively small problem. There's a small number of people who are currently casual who want to be permanent. A lot of people who are casual like the flexibility, like the casual loading. But for those people who want to be permanent, this matters. You know, try getting even a rental these days without you know without permanent employment. It's its its getting harder and harder. So I, I, I do think we need to strike the balance there. Just a couple of other questions before I let you both go. Jackie Lambie, you were pretty outspoken about uh, supporting the Stage 3 tax cut changes. Now the Coalition will uh, agree to them, it seems, even though it wants to make an argument for broader tax reform, uh, perhaps, and recalibrate its policy. Does this mean it'll just go through uh, the Parliament and are you pleased to hear it? 
Yeah, I am pleased to hear it. And yes, um, we do need tax reform in, in this country. I'm not an expert in that area. I'm far from that. And I, I just say to them, great, because you've got about 12 months before the next election. Let's see what you're made of. Uh, I certainly know with the tools, uh, they're very big. Some of them are very big in this area and they want tax reform. And I think it is time for tax reform. What sort of tax sure reform, what, though? Well, I'm not just, I'm not sure about, you know, I've been in dense with this. Nobody's brought anything to me to say and start that discussion. But uh, no doubt you're going to hear a lot more after these stage three tax cuts and I'll be listening to everybody's um, advice and what they're throwing around and then I'll go out and get my own. That's how it works. How about you, I'll David I'll jump Perkot? in there, Patricia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Here you go. <laughs> I want to see the major parties talking about housing. You know, we've got a housing system that isn't working yeah. and... You know, the gall of some of these politicians who have multiple investment properties to get out up there and say, we cannot touch negative gearing and yeah, capital gains tax discounts. Absolutely. I think they have to be on the table. If, yep. if we want to turn the ship around and have housing as something that everyone in our community can afford and to not have housing where it's arguably easy to buy your second house than it is your first house, then you've got to look at the tax system and the capital gains tax discount uh, and negative gearing are something that we're going to have to have a discussion about. But, you know, you look at the hysteria led by people who have Too a number many of houses. investment properties. Um, yeah. Uh, Jackie Lambie, uh, do you think it needs to be looked at too? Oh yeah, no doubt. I'm right. I'm th- those those two. When it comes to tax reform, talking about um, that the, the the negative gear, absolutely. And I've always said that all the way along. F- fair income. I mean, I understand you want investment and not just your super. But how many houses do you need to invest? I just remind those people they can't take that money down, money with them when they're ten foot under. And and it's actually it is actually part of the reason. Besides those B and Bs, it is part of the reason um, that we're having a housing crisis out there. I need to ask just one question to both of you of a very disturbing report that's been released today, the Productivity mm-hmm. Commission uh, warning that closing the gap will fail unless there is a massive change to the power relationship and for Indigenous organisations to essentially have more power and also more accountability for governments. Jackie Lambie, the referendum went down, but clearly the Productivity Commission thinks we need reform. Do Indigenous organisations need more control? I think that what we need to do is holding digital organisations responsible for the money that the taxpayer is giving them and stop turning a blind eye to make sure that money is being well spent and, and what we expect to come out of that money that we've given them, the results, when they're not coming through. We have a massive problem. Well, you know, we had an old jobs program in, which was the CDEP. That was a great program. You could see that over that six or seven years. If they'd just left that in for another five or six years, they would see the result of that. Everything needs to be on the table right now. I ran around, and I've been brutally honest about that on that um, on the on the cashless debit card. I learnt a lot over that ten years. I visited just about every community around this country, apart from in Cape York, because they seem to have this much better managed. You need to bring those people in to listen to what they're doing in Cape York, because they don't seem to have as many problems as the rest of Australia does when it comes to the Indigenous. And I think everybody needs to be at that table. And I mean this politely about the old people you keep using at the table, maybe it's time to get some fresh blood on it and start listening to what is going on. This has been a problem. They're never going to close the gap and both majors are just as bad as each other. The only, the other thing that really annoys me is since The Voice, since it went down in The Voice, Labor has sat there in a corner and just closed their eyes. I have not seen the Indigenous Minister. If she's not up to the job, then maybe it's time to change her over. David Pocock? 
I've, I've got a different view on this. I, I really see the value of solutions being designed at a local level. Uh, you know, I know, know that was part of the voice uh, debate. Australians voted against enshrining a voice in our parliament, but I, I think most Australians would acknowledge that people at a local level have a far better understanding of their problems than bureaucrats in Canberra. And so I think that has to be part of, of what we do as a country is em empowering local organisations to actually design and implement solutions at a local level. It's, a, it's a, obviously a hard thing to do, but you look mm. at reports like the one that came out today and it, we can't keep doing the same thing. That's, no. that's ridiculous. I want to thank you both. I always love having crossbenchers on together um, ventilating these big issues. Really appreciate it. Thanks so Thanks much for having us on. Uh, crossbench Senators Jackie Lambie and David Pocock, kingmakers uh, to uh, the government's plans, really, on industrial relations. You're listening to RN Breakfast. Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.